When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. And welcome to the Tour Report from Secret Golf, the week after the Masters. Now, for many, you can see that as a bit of a come down week. But, um, well, first of all, we have an elevated event to talk about. So we've got huge golf. But also, Mr. Elkington is in the Emerald Isle right now. You have taken a trip across the pond and you're in glorious Ireland. <laughs> Last week, Augusta. This week, a damn manor. I mean, who's got it better than me? Oh, and um, we we last saw look at you with the, <laughs> we last saw a dear manor for the JP McManus Pro Am. Um, there's always so much talk around that event, and all the big names play it right before the Scottish Open and then the Open Championship. Um, and you are there in the lap of luxury this week for a wedding. Yeah, let me tell you about. Uh, yes, I am here for a wedding. My daughter's in it. It's a neighbor of mine in Houston, a daughter, best friend of my daughter, getting married on the weekend to another Houston boy. But they all have Irish roots, so they thought they'll come back to the motherland and do it. Diane Adair Manor, twenty twenty seven Ryder Cup, original Manor House. You may have saw the pictures I sent you last night from the castle. They they. Join that with a hotel. We're off to the side in some cottages, four-bedroom cottages, right on the golf course. We did falconry yesterday. We met a bunch of owls and uh, falcons and hawks, and we saw one little bitty owl that was this big named Tiny. We had the best day yesterday, but not to be outdone, we went to La Hinch today, Diane, one of the greatest courses in, in the history of <clears throat> Ireland. They were my son Sam had set it up through the golf show. I was just looking through the yardage book here, Diane. Just listen to a couple of the names of the holes. If if you don't think Ireland or Scotland get it right, number four is a par five named Klondike. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fifth hole is a blind par three named Dell. Uh, Paradise is a sixth. Uh, blind Hookie is number seven. I mean, mm-hmm. Diane. They really know what they're doing over here. It was terrible weather. I didn't play uh, today because I had some wedding duties. 
But my son Sam shot a 71 at the Hinch, had an eagle and three birdies and birdied the last hole. A lot of the members were very happy that uh, we were coming out there, uh, met the captain, met the pro. I saw a uh, a beautiful uh, picture on the right as you come in the locker room. John Rahm, Diane, had won the 2019 uh Irish I think Open. the Irish Open at Lahinch, 16 under par, had the same shirt on as he had yesterday. And I know you want to talk to me about that, but John John Rahm, Diane, let's face it, he's he's big everywhere. Well, you picked him to win the Masters and you were you were very modest on Twitter and said it was hardly a, an out there pick. But he hadn't been in, we hadn't seen the form that we'd seen from him at the start of the year. He'd missed the cut of the players, a lot of frustration. And we'd even said that, you know, Scheffler was the one on the rise. It seemed like it was going to be a, a fantastic week for Rory heading into things. Out of the big three, Ram was the one that we kind of knocked down a little bit. But you held on, picked him as your favourite and Brooks Kepka as your one to watch. You got first and runner up. Well... I was talking to a bunch of Irish people today, Diane, as you can imagine. They were all talking about the Masters, and they all said the same exact thing about John Rahm, and it's the same reason I picked him. John Rahm tries so hard, and he's so skilled. He's such a competitor. What is his talent? Is it 10% talent and 90% just guts and com competition and just tries hard? I don't know if those are the right numbers, but it's not far off, Diane. And then they were all talking about their homegrown hero, Rory McIlroy, who may or may not be the captain here in 27. Don't know. He'd probably still be playing. Could be. Could it be Shane Lowry? We were discussing that today. Um, Rory, they feel like, is distracted. They still know that he has the talent and the ability to do it. He's definitely out of sorts, Diane. Already WD'd from Hilton Head. He must be, I don't know, fatigued, embarrassed, or What's going on with Rory McIlroy at the moment? He's just not himself at all. It's a weird one because, again, we saw him in Mr. Cut at the Players, had a terrible, terrible two days at the Players' Championship. But then he, you know, got it together. He fiddled about with the driver and the putter and played great and finished third at the match play in Austin. Um, and I had said it on the show last week that I thought Rory was the most calm and collected heading into a Masters as we had seen him in a long, long time, probably in the, the nine attempts, their eight attempts prior to career, uh, completing the career Grand Slam. Um, you know, he said that he had great memories after holing out from the bunker on the 72nd hole last year and he was coming back in and maybe, you know, his tradition of starting poorly was going to be gone because of this lasting memory that he had. And and it just went the complete opposite way, as you say, a WD this week um, in an elevated event, which he's been very vocal about the fact that the big players need to partake in these elevated events. So I don't know, there's a, a huge question mark now. It feels like to me, Diane, I was sitting here talking, as, as, as you know, I'm sitting here in uh, Dare Manor with a bunch of people who want to talk to me about golf. I was at La Hinch today. A bunch of people want to talk to me about golf, and that's great. I love it. Um, it seems to me, Diane, that half the golf industry is very uneasy about things, and Rory McIlroy definitely sits in that category. Uh, we're talking about, you know, three of the live guys finished in the top five yesterday. Phil Mickelson out of nowhere wow. came out. and we, You know, who could have predicted that? 
We saw uh, Reed play well. He finished in the top five. And, of course, Brooks Kepka maybe ran out of steam. He said that he just didn't play good yesterday. I read his quotes. Uh, but, you know, felt like John Rahm just, just, just sort of took over the tournament. I mean, to me, it felt like through 54 holes or, or maybe 45 holes, Diane, that there was no way that Brooks Kepka was not going to keep steamrolling his way along. Loose drive at number one on the last round, way left into the fairway. Might have shocked him because he would pull the three wood almost like Greg Norman did in 1996. First tee shot way into the ninth fairway. That's a shock when you tee off on a Sunday and you're playing your best golf and all of a sudden you hit one like 30 degrees off your side of your eye. It's a very shocking feeling. Um, but John Rahm uh, is a great champion. We know it was Sebi's 66th birthday yesterday. You had texted me and told me uh, before I left to come to Ireland that you said, wouldn't it be unreal if you won this thing Elk with Rahm on, on Sebi's birthday? I believe in all that stuff, and I know you do too because you're so in, uh, intertwined with children and babies and marriages and all these things. But what's in your bag this week? Because now we got we got to talk about something else. we got to go on to Hilton Head. Man. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of storylines this week, actually, because, um, you know, this, this tournament has long been a player favourite, a fan favourite. They've always fallen the week after the Masters, but it's never really affected the field that much. They've always had a lot of guys who have gone from Augusta to Hilton Head, South Carolina. You know, it's not a long journey. It's a great part of the country to visit. And as I said, they love this tournament, the RBC Heritage. Um, Jordan Spieth won last year. They go from winning the green jacket to the tartan jacket. I refuse to call it the plaid jacket. Um, so Jordan Spieth's name obviously is going to be on the tip of a lot of people's tongues this week. Um, you know, all the big guys are playing. We talk about that Rory WD and the big announcement from Will Zalatoris after he withdrew from the Masters. Uh, he's had surgery and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. So really unfortunate for him. Um, just horrible timing but also you know get it fixed and hopefully he's going to have many many healthy years of playing ahead of him yeah and you know when i think about hilton head i was all i i heard um jordan Spieth's interview that he was exhausted from playing eight out of ten weeks he didn't play the texas open uh before the masters so he, he's not as tired as everyone else and i think jordan's going to be fine and i'm going to talk more about him as we get into our picks yeah. But what do you need when you come to Hilton Head? Hilton Head is, as you said, is the most one of the most beautiful places on earth. You arrive at Hilton Head from Augusta. You are tired. You you have great accommodations there. You've got the best views. The course is awesome. What does it require? It's a Pete Dye golf course. The most narrow course we play on the whole PGA Tour, Diane. Everyone used to say to me, Elk, you should play well at Hilton Head. And you know what? I never did. I don't know why I'm just tired or whatever, or I couldn't hit the ball correctly, whatever. But basically what you need, Diane, is you've got to be a straight hitter. Uh, you've got to be able to putt really well. This is a tournament where we see um, guys score the lowest amount of putts for 72 holes. For, when I was on tour for 30 years, there was the, the person who broke 100 putts for 72 holes at Hilton Head. The second one was at Hilton Head. The third one was Hilton Head. And the fourth one. So they're very small, so you finish up chipping on and one-putting. David Frost, all these guys finished up having these tremendously low, I'm talking about under 100 putts for, for 72 holes. I think Jordan Spieth was close 
last year. So uh, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but you do have to hit the ball straight at Hilton Head. It's very narrow, and you've got a chip and putt like a absolute demon to play well there. And very narrow, but you know, you've got those huge, big, old, mossy oak trees lining the fairways as well. So if you are offline, you're in serious trouble. I mean, it's like, it's intimidating when you're standing on that tee. As you say, small greens. A lot of the guys are going to be clubbing down this week. Um, you know, that kind of second shot premium. So I'm really looking at, you know, greens and reg, proximity, straight hitters this week. Um, and I look back at Jordan's stats from last year. It was Jordan and Patrick Cantley. Oh, we need to talk about Patrick Cantley. He's the talk of the town right now for, <laughs> for playing horrendously slow on Sunday in the second to last group. Um, I was just listening actually to uh, the gravy and the sleaze on Sirius XM and they had Smiley Kaufman on and they were talking about it and uh, and wow, he's getting absolutely hammered <laughs> for his pace of play on Sunday. Sometimes a player can pull the story out at Augusta. Patrick Cantlay, um, I was flying. I, I, I left when Ram and, and uh, Brooks got to the 11th tee. Um, but then when I got, you know, when I got to New York to fly over, the story, of course, was John Ram. But the other story was Patrick Cantlay and how slow he was playing. And, you know, Diane, all the years I've been on tour, 32 years on tour, there's only one guy that's ever been penalised two strokes for slow play, and it was an amateur at the Masters six years ago. No one else has been penalised. It's a very strange phenomenon how our tour works. Um, if you find guys for slow play, they won't speed up. But the moment you say that there's a two-shot penalty in there, they'll speed up. Mm -hmm. So Patrick Cantlay, to me, is a very, um, uh, you know, deliberate player, but it sounds like it went across the line. I didn't get to see it. You tell me more, but uh, it just got out of control. Is that right? Yeah, well, I remember watching after um, Ram and Kepka teed off, they were sitting on the second tee box for what seemed like ages. And we're like, oh my gosh, they're waiting already. Smiley Kaufman did make a great point you know, with the fact that they had to cram in so much golf on Sunday and the fact that the weather had been awful. Um, they were maybe putting the tea times a little bit closer together than they would have before. So maybe he was at a slight disadvantage then, but oh my gosh, it was uh, towards the end of the round on the 16th tee, it was like Brooks and Ram were staring him down, <laughs> like what is going on? It was when Victor Hovland, who was playing with him, played his shot before him, like, come on, <laughs> let's get it moving. Um, but I, I think the word deliberate for Patrick Cantley is a great adjective to use because I think he's just going to do his thing. Uh, he he seems like the per type of guy that doesn't really care too much. He's just going to go about his business. He and He doesn't waggle the club. He waggles with his feet. There's a couple of other guys that have done that. Jose Maria Olafabal, they didn't wag the club. He waggled with his feet. You notice Patrick Cantley. Sebi Ballesteros did not waggle the club. He did his waggle with his feet. When he gets over the putt, Patrick Cantlay... Sets up with sets up with his putter, and then he waggles his feet a certain distance, and then he comes back back the other way. And I, I know what he's doing. He's feeling his feet this way. Is it this much right to left? No, it's not that much. I'm I'm going to come back a little. It's this much right to left, and he goes back and forth with this very meticulous routine until his brain says, "Go." Yeah. It sounds like the go button got paused on that for a little bit. But anyway, enough of Pat, enough about Patrick Cantley. Um, I'm a little concerned about Will Zalatoris. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, microdiscectomy means that there was a floating piece somewhere in the spinal column. Micro meaning very small, went in, maybe ex- extracted that. I don't know if they had to secure his spine to be more stable than it is. Hopefully it was just a little piece that, that was out or a bulging disc. They might be able to fix it and sew it back up. But Diane, you know, we as golfers on tour players, we know a lot about backs just mm-hmm. intuitively because we that's that's the thing that that has trouble for us. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we you know, I'm 60 years old now. I have to take care of myself because I've had so many millions of shots on my back. I've had a mac- microdiscectomy. Uh, lost the feeling of my left quad muscle. Went to the doctor and said, "How?" I said, "How big a problem is this? Is it because normally we would find out if it's a one week or a two week or a month problem?" He said, "Elk, if we don't go in and, and fix your back today, you're not you're gonna you may lose the uh, the use of your left leg." So, microdiscectomy or back problems are very, you know, they're very important and they're and they're critical, but doesn't mean anything for Will Zalatoris. I've read a lot today, Diane, about where they think he's done. He's not done. They can fix that. It's, okay. Medicine has changed in the back department. So I'm feeling very optimistic about Will Zalatoris. Yeah, yeah. Here's hoping. Right, okay. Well, RBC Heritage this week. Let's get into our picks. So we have an outright favourite each, a one to watch, and then a dark horse at 100 to 1 plus. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so mad because the guy that I really want to pick is 95 to 1. So I'm going to mention him later and I have a backup. Or uh, I'll give you two. Okay, anyway. well, you go first. Okay, well, I have my, um, I was again, I was really between two for my outright favourite this week. Um, I was really looking at Victor Hovland, who had a fantastic Masters. Um, he finished seventh in the end, um, but he played fantastic. It's Victor Hovland. He's just a, a huge name, a huge force on the tour and he's playing great I mean just finished third at the players not long ago as well so loved him but I'm gonna stick with my initial pick who was 26 round about there 26 to 1 this week of Cameron Young um Cameron Young is a big hitter yes right so we know that he's going to be clubbing down a lot around Harbour Town Golf Links um finished seven when you say when you say can I ask you a question when you say clubbing down you're saying maybe lay up more off the tee yeah, is that what you mean? Uh, sort yeah, of play, not, not let the drive go, yeah. play more position? Yes, exactly. So he's not going to be, but, you know, we, we know it better than anyone. The length is always an advantage now, isn't it? So um, he's maybe going to put the driver away a little bit more than he would um, playing a longer course. And he's going to have to play positionally. But um, seventh at the Masters, he hasn't won yet. He's like one of these names that it's just that debut win for him is coming. Um, but here's my, this was the little bit of information that, that pushed me towards Cameron Young more than Hovland is that we keep going back to the caddy thing and the fact that Paul Tesori is now caddying for him, who was Webb Simpson's longtime caddy. This is a Webb Simpson course. They have had so much success at this tournament before. Um, Webb won it. Six top 15 finishes with Paul on the bag. So he's going to bring, you know, a wealth of knowledge and experience to Cameron Young, who actually doesn't need it. (laughs) He finished third at this tournament last year. So I think it's such a good price for Cameron Young. Great odds this week um, for a guy who's really close to getting his debut win on tour. 
I agree with you. Um, I would never say this about a caddy, and I'm the biggest caddy guy there is, but Paul DeSori is, is helping Cam Young. And I looked at it very closely last week because I was there. What is he doing for him? He's just making him um, clear, just like, what are you doing and what are we going to do here and where are we going? You know, and uh, it's just very specific, short burst of what what are you trying to do here? And I can see the difference in, in Cam Young. They're going to do really well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to win. Cam Young is going to play on the tour for another 20 years and he's going to be 10-plus winner on this tour. First one's going to be the toughest one for him because he hasn't ha- doesn't have it, but he's been so close. He, he knows exactly what has to happen. Okay. okay, on to my pick. Okay. <laughs> um, I listened to Jordan Spieth's interview last week about how super tired he was, but he's not as tired as the other guys. So I, all day I thought about picking someone else other than Jordan, but I can't, Diane, because he showed me uh, what he, sh- he showed me a 66 on Sunday at the Masters to finish what he finished fourth. Jordan Spieth has been off my board for like a month because he is in the trees every hole. He's missing a three footer after making five 20 footers in a row. And then, Diane, last week he shoots a 66 on Sunday and finishes fourth. And I'm asking myself, Am I just watching a guy that just is like savvy where he's not that great off the tee? Should I be should I be grinding the stats more than I should be? Should I be should I be, you know, judging him more? So I went and looked through all the stats, Diane. Where has he been driving it for the last seven weeks? Mm-hmm. Where's he been all these great he's getting better each week and he's doing it. And he said he's tired, but I know he's not as tired as the other guys. Scheffler's there, Rahm's there. As soon as Jordan gets back there on Thursday, he's going to be fine. I'm picking Jordan this week because I think he's had enough close calls, enough disappointments, hit it in the water at the 16th hole at uh, Innisbrook to lose at Tampa. Had a late, you know, you can't really count his finish at the Masters being in contention. Uh, But he's been right there for like a month straight. So I'm all over Jordan's speed this week. Okay. I actually looked at his stats from last year, him and Cantley, and T to Green, that he was just flying. But um, he didn't putt that great, but still got it done. Um, and we know that Jordan is an elite putter, you know, magician with some of these creative shots that he pulls off. Um, and, you know, does he need the putter to be firing on all cylinders? I mean, Jordan's uh, level of putting when it's a little bit off is still great compared to most. Um but yeah, yeah. Jordan is one of the most gifted competitors we've ever seen. Ram is a different style of competitor than Jordan is. Jordan is more like Crenshaw and Sebi, and we have to get used to that. He is going to be all over the place, and he still finishes up there all the time. And he's just that guy, and uh, can't explain it. But that's his style. If Justin Thomas, for example, hit it where. Uh, or John Rahm hit it where Jordan did off the tee, he'd finish, miss the cut. So Jordan is that guy. I love that explanation. And I think maybe after he talked about the exhaustion, a lot of people are maybe going to not pick him this week. So 
um, it might improve his odds ever so slightly. But he's back as defending champion and um, this course is, is set up for him. So Jordan Smith is your favourite and I am going with Cameron Young. Right, moving on to one to watch. Mine is going to come as no surprise and uh, one to be celebrated by you and where you are right now. But I'm going to take Shane Lowry <laughs> as my one to watch. I'm sure you knew that was coming. Um, I remember, I think I picked him last I, year. I did. I felt I felt it. And maybe the 2027 Ryder Cup captain at a damn, at a damn manner, possibly. Yeah, yeah, could be. Well, I mean, if he's not captain, he's going to be there playing, isn't he? Maybe doing both. Um, but Shane just finished top 20 at the Masters. Um, when I saw his odds, I think the best I found him was at 37 to 1. He finished third here last year. I did pick him to win because I remember he was on this great run of like top five finish after top five finish. So third here last year, he finished um, third in 2019 and ninth in 2021. So he obviously likes this course. It suits his game. We know that. He's a brilliant ball striker. Um, he's fourth right now on tour in total driving. And the approach at 100 to 120 yards. He's third. He's actually top five in quite a few approach categories, which again, ball striking, we know that's the real strength of his game. Um, he actually hasn't won on the PGA Tour since his Open victory in 2019. Um, and I think there's a few weeks that are real opportunity weeks for Lowry. Um, never mind the elevated event status and the fact that everyone's playing this week. I think this is a fantastic course, great opportunity for him. And I love him as my one to watch. I love Larry as well. He was. Uh, we were talking about Larry today because everyone wants to know who's going to be the Ryder Cup captain here in, in 2027, Diane. You watch Larry at uh, Hilton Head. You watch out for Larry at the Honda Classic, yeah. uh, those two. I'm going a little different route, Diane. I looked at the stats very hard. I'm thinking about who can raise up this week, who has a little bit of, you know, a little bit of uh, gas in the tank. I'm taking the third-ranked, driver of the ball for accuracy on the PGA Tour. I'm going with Tom Kim. I think if I was going to say to you, Diane, where would Tom Kim get his second win on the PGA Tour if I was just doing a trivial question? You would probably answer, oh, well, it could have to be at Hilton Head. He doesn't need all the distance. He's a straightest hitter on the tour, one of them. He's got the pizzazz to do it. Putt's good. Everything's everything's looking for me, Diane, at Tom Kim as having a great week. He's been playing good. He's just not been up in that limelight that, that he wants to be. And you know this as well as I do. When he does get in it, he's able to he, – he likes it. Yeah. He's like a Min Woo Lee kind of guy in that sense, that a little bit of a show-off, you know, kind of enjoys it. We saw that from Tom Kim at the President's Cup where everyone fell in love with him. Um, I picked him last week. You know, I'm a huge Tom Kim fan, so great pick. And – you know, yes, this course is made for him. I think he's 40 something. 40 to 1, yeah. 40 to 1. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Um, I said I have I have two. I've got one that is a legit 100 to 1. Um, and I've got another guy that I really wanted to pick and I was so sad. I was actually happy to find that he was 95 to 1 because I thought he would be nowhere near that. And then, you know, I, we know his game. When I dug into this course history, he's like a fantastic pick for this week. I'll start with him and then we'll get yours. Um, JT Poston 
Uh, yeah, I know you were talking to him at Augusta, but yeah, Poston being 95 to one <laughs> is absolutely insane this week. This is where Vegas have made another huge mistake because two-time winner on the PGA Tour, um, we know that he's uh, an amazing striker of the ball, you know, great iron stats for him all the time. You know, greens and reg, proximity, fantastic putter. He's had three top tens this season already, finished T9 at the match play just a few weeks ago. But this is an amazing course for him. And he's got, he's played here four times and three of them has finished within the top 10. So <laughs> I was like, this is an absolute no-brainer pick at 95 to 1, uh, JT Poston. That's a great pick. Sam and I were on the driving range on Friday at the Masters, Diane, at 6.30 in the morning because we went and put some chairs out for some, some friends of ours that were there. And we had some access, so we went out and put our chairs out on number nine. Went over to the driving range. We were at the driving range at 7 o'clock. There was uh, Ram, Poston. Bryson, Phil, uh, all these guys on the range. And we sat right behind JT. Mm. And, you know, at Augusta, they have the, you know, the, the driving range is like a course. They have a fairways you can hit at and they have greens. So you can actually see a player, you know, trying to hit their ball at a flag. Out of all those guys there, JT was hitting the ball the best. We happened to walk, we happened to leave to go to the first tee and JT, I ran into him and I said to him, this was on Friday morning, I said, JT, there's no one out there hitting it better than you, mate. I mean, you're hitting the ball exactly where you look at. He goes, I'm feeling good, Elk. So made the cut that day, finished up having a decent Masters. Great to see him. But JT Poston, you're right, Diane, he's on the rise. I think he's on the right. He's one of those guys that are such a good putter. He's almost the best putter on the whole PGA Tour when he gets going. Mm-hmm. All he's got to do is hit it halfway decent and he's going to be right there. Well, he had a, a pretty crappy first round at the Masters, really fought on the Friday to make the cut. Um, it was Saturday in the end, but he finished 34th and that's you know a very respectable finish around Augusta National. So um, yes, JT, I have another guy at 101. Who's your dark horse this week though? Well, my dark horse, Diane, is no no big surprise to you because you know his name, and I followed him. I went and watched uh, Adam Scott play with Ryan Fox okay. uh, at Augusta on Wednesday. We walked nine holes with those guys. I I spent a fair bit of time talking to Steve Williams and Adam Scott. They came over and talked to me. Adam Scott was telling me he was playing great. He just can't get it going. But I, I wanted to go out and see Ryan Fox up, up close, Diane. He's the best player in the world that's not on our tour. And I was looking at it, I was looking at our sheet today and he's had 27, 16, 17, 19th, like the last four or five weeks on tour. He's going to be on our tour. I got him at 110 to one this week, Diane. Are you kidding me? He hits the ball further than Adam Scott. I mean, it's a joke. I mean, he fin- I think he fin- won two times last year in Europe. This guy is going to be a guy on our tour probably very soon. And I'm telling you here, right here on the tour report, Get on this train before it leaves the station, so to speak. 110 to 1, yeah. Um, is his dad a famous cricketer? Is that is his dad? No, his father was one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest football rugby players of all time. Okay. Played on the All Blacks team. And Ryan Fox is a big man. 
very strong player, has a very distinct swing. He gets up high, his hands are high, and he comes down to the side, but extremely powerful. He's just he's just a great player, and we don't know him yet, but we're introducing him to everybody here. Okay, so 110 to 1 for Ryan Fox. I'm also going to give you Adam Hadwin at 100 to 1. We've talked about him a lot on the show over the last few months, um, but it shows because he has been playing really well. He's got great numbers, um, 32nd in accuracy. That stat, we, we track the trends of that stat, and he's been in the, the top 30 in accuracy you know, pretty much this whole entire year. But he's really green across the board. I mean, 49th greens in reg, which again, is still a good green stat for him. Um, he's been in the top 30, top 40 in putting average for a long, long time. He didn't play at the Masters. And I saw his wife put on Twitter a picture of him cleaning their rugs in their house. <laughs> so I saw the same thing. Yeah, if there's yeah. any motivation to not be doing that next year, then may as well, you know, go out, get the win and give yourself 51 weeks to look forward to it. So um, I loved Adam Hadwin at 100 to 1. I thought that was a great price for him this week. And by the way, I don't buy into the I'm tired, I'm not going to play well. Those guys will rest next week. There's no way that anyone's just going to throw in the towel for 20 million. It's not going to happen. So I don't care what Jordan said on Sunday night. Uh, we're, we've got a few more days yet to get them all refreshed. It's all going to be good. Yeah, exactly. And this is a course that, well, he won at last year. You know, it's not like he has to put in the same level of preparation this week as he did maybe last week. You know, it's take it a little bit easy at the start of the week, especially if you're telling everyone you're exhausted and then build up to it. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think the Jordan Spieth pick is great. <laughs> and maybe a lot of people... Final, uh, final thought. I have a final question for you. What did you make of, um, you know, and this is not a loaded question, but um, the live players played well last week. What do you? What is your summary of that? I think that it was... The great thing was is that it was the Masters. So... It wasn't PGA Tour versus Live. I think there was so much build up to that that as soon as everyone got on site and everyone's on Augusta National and they're talking to each other, they're saying hi, they're doing their preparation, you, you forget because they're there to play in the Masters and they've all got one thing on their mind and that was going out to win the green jacket. I think having Brooks up there was excellent. It, couldn't have gone any better knowing on Sunday we had 30 holes of John Ram going head to head against Brooks, who was playing great heading into the final day on Sunday. Okay, didn't play his best stuff. There was glimmers of it. But then you have Phil who made this unbelievable charge up the leaderboard on Sunday. And we saw a smile on his face and he was finally happy and maybe a, a little bit more like the Phil of days gone by because we've seen none of that lately. Um, I I think that the, the the DP World Tour announcement with their arbitration coming out last week was kind of bad timing. Um, I think that that should have been delayed. Maybe don't tell everyone about it until the week after. It was the Masters. That's it. There's so much respect for the Masters that the live PGA Tour argument, to me, was irrelevant. Yeah, and it seems like to me, Diane, that if you're in if you're in the majors and you're a live player, you've got a pretty good end of it. You're making a ton of money on live, and if you get into the you know majors, that's great. 
Um, I'm over it. I'm not going to, you know, I, I think the Masters wouldn't have been as good if those guys weren't in contention this week. Brooks Kepka played great. I didn't look at him as a live golfer. I looked at him as just, hey, can he, you know, can he get through this mental mountain that's trying to charge him down called John Rahm? I mean, I felt like for me, you know, I had Kepka, I had Rahm, but I'm, I'm like, Kepka, can he, can he do it? And he just got mowed down by, you know, by a guy that was just superior mentally. I think, I think, I mean, I'm just, just guessing, but, um, you know, I, you know, I'm over all that stuff. I think, I think we're going to see him together in the majors. Let's just go with what it is. Liv's not going away. Tour is fine. It's all good. Let's put them together as many times as we can. And I agree with you. I loved seeing them all back together playing as the best players in the world. And it was just cool to watch Brooks Kepka play golf against John Ram again. Like uh, on Sunday, I was so fired up to watch it. I had missed following Brooks Kepka and Phil and, you know, the, the talent that they have. And it was on display at the greatest golf course in the world. I mean, it was just, it was an amazing week and we're always a bit sad when it's over. I agree. Okay. All right then. Well, that's our tour report this week for the RBC Heritage at Harbortown Golf Links. Elk, over and out from Ireland. Have an amazing time. <laughs> Enjoy the wedding. Um, get more pictures on Twitter for us to have a look at everything that you're doing. I will do. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.